This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. We're back on the Roger Stone Show here at WABC Radio. You can find us at 770 on the AM dial if you live in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Or you can listen to us where we are live streaming now worldwide at WABCradio.com. As I said earlier, I recommend that you get the 77 WABC radio app downloaded on your phone so you don't miss any of the great programming here on WABC. My guest now is Chris LaCivita. He has the uh, the privilege and the honor, I think, of being the campaign manager for the greatest president since Abraham Lincoln, uh, the 45th president of the United States. And Chris and I both believe the 47th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Uh, Chris is a grizzled veteran of the political wars, having run the U.S. Senate campaigns of George Allen in Virginia, Pat Roberts uh, in Kansas, a senior advisor to the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth. But Chris is also a Marine veteran of the Persian Gulf War, a graduate uh, of Virginia Commonwealth University. Uh, and to my mind, one of the most capable, uh, organized, uh, and strategic thinking political operatives in the country, Chris LaCivita, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Well, uh, Roger, that's a hell of an introduction. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> very well, nice. Uh, very look, nice. Do- Great to Don- be here. Donald Trump's uh, campaigns of 2016 uh, and even 2020 were known as chaotic affairs, to say the least. Right. Uh, right. Donald Trump, who's been a friend of mine for 45 years, uh, is a man who doesn't like to be handled, doesn't like to be managed, doesn't like to be packaged doesn't like to be scripted. He, he's not a politician. He will never be a politician. He's a political figure. He, he's a, the leader of a movement that he always acknowledges is much bigger than himself. But this campaign uh, is different. Uh, the, the Trump campaign, under the able leadership of campaign chairwoman Susie Wiles, also one of the most capable political operatives uh, I know, uh, and yourself, uh, has been complimented for its uh, efficiency, uh, its, uh, its lean nature, uh, its technological proficiency, uh, its, its uh, seeming lack, generally speaking, of leaks. What is it like managing the campaign of a man who is a force of nature, who's a whirlwind? Right. Well, which is which is very accurate. I mean, in the sense that, um, well, first of all, the one thing that hasn't changed in any of this is 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 President Trump. Um, He he's not managed. He's not packaged. He's not programmed. He's, as you know, um, uh, just he he, he's he's he is, is his own person, which is part of the reason that he has such great appeal uh, to Republicans and to those people who who want to see real 
uh, change, uh, uh, you know, in Washington and, 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 and literally the way we project ourselves around the world. But, you know, um, we worry about what we can control. Right. And the president uh, made it clear to Susie and I when we started this endeavor with him that, you know, our responsibility is the is the the nuts and bolts and the day to day. And those are the things that we can control. We we view our our role as having the responsibility of putting together a top flight campaign operation organization that is there for the president so that we can move on a dime, so we can pivot, uh, so we can support the efforts that, you know, and the message that he's pushing. Uh, you know, we don't sit around on a weekly basis and, and with the president and, and say, okay, we're going to talk about this, right? I, I mean, that that would be, uh, uh, you know, a silly waste of time. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, just isn't not who the president is, which is great. Um, at times, yes, it can be it can be it can be surprising. Um, but again, if the campaign is built in such a way that it's meant to be supportive of those efforts, it, it's it's really it's it, it's different, no doubt. For someone like me who's been doing this for 32 years in very traditional settings, you know your 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 traditional campaigns kind of things. It, it, what's great about this is it's it's everything is new. Uh, and everything is different, and it's and it and it brings a level of creativity and brings a level a level of freshness that, uh, honestly, it, it, it politics needs. But um, but again, our role basically have an operation in place, do those blocking and tackling types of things on the ground. Um, that that you know the campaign in sixteen, look, they won, right? So there's no better outcome than winning. Um, and and we're very confident about our position and winning this time as well. We just want to do it in the manner that 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 you know we don't have to bleed as much. Well, the best thing about a Trump campaign is Donald Trump. I don't know any other public 100%. figure in any strata, uh, business, athletics, show business. I don't know anybody who could draw you know forty thousand people to a small town in South Carolina. I worked for Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was an enormously popular president. He was beloved. Uh, he had a, an extraordinary base that he fought for and won in the Republican Party. Unlike Donald, uh, pardon me, like Donald Trump, he was not the, the choice of the party establishment. In fact, he was bitterly opposed uh, by yeah. the party establishment. He won the nomination over the objections uh, of the party establishment. He reformed the Republican Party in his image. But even the great Ronald Reagan did not rack up the kind of poll numbers and the kind of intensity of support uh, of this president. Uh, this is this is counterintuitive. Normally speaking, when a candidate for public office gets indicted, in multiple jurisdictions, their money dries up, uh, their support dries up, and they take a nosedive in the polls. Here, we've seen the exact opposite, which leads me to believe that what they're trying to do to Donald Trump is so incredibly transparent that the American people are getting it, and more people are getting it every single day. Chris, do you think that they would be persecuting the president uh, in all of these investigations and indictments, if he was not 
leading by big double digits within the Republican Party and continuing to lead Joe Biden in the general election trial heats. Well, you know, um, and all you have to do is look at the timing, right? Um, you know, in, in the, the, the bogus stuff that they're doing in Georgia, in New York, uh, on, you know, they literally sat on this stuff for two and a half years just waiting to see, uh, you know, how the race was shaping up. Uh, so it's very transparent. The American people, look, you know, they they can see they can see a witch hunt. They can see this stuff the way it's playing out, and they know exactly what's going on. Which is part of the reason why you see uh, the president, uh, at least within the Republican Party, so solidly ahead, even in the general election. The last five polls that have come out have have President Trump uh, beating Joe Biden. Um, that creates a degree of concern, clearly, by these folks uh, that are part of that deep state that. Just, I mean, look. Their goal is to prevent Donald Trump um, um, from 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 being being in office. And look, they 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 want to put him away for a thousand years. If you took the total amount of time, <clears throat> prison time that all of these assorted uh, charges come with, it's a thousand years. And <laughs> you know, and so that level of overreach, that level of just just it, it's it, it's. The antithesis to everything that Americans believe. And, and you know, we lecture the world about uh, uh, not persecuting political prisoners, et cetera. And here we are doing the same thing. So they're undermining America's moral position in the world on a lot of issues um, by, by essentially adopting the tactics of a third world banana republic. You know, I, I watched uh, an interview last night with Tucker Carlson and uh, Dave Portnoy from uh, Barstool Sports. Portnoy's a guy who runs around the country rating pizza, which is great, except for he's not like you and I, Italian-American, so I don't know what he knows about pizza. Uh, both of them believed, based on the interview I saw, uh, that the president should have participated in the Fox uh, presidential candidates debate. Uh, I, I know you were opposed to that. I was opposed to it. Uh, I know most of the consensus uh, uh, of the campaign were opposed to it. And that turned out to be the exact right position. Uh, and Donald Trump achieves another first. Not only is he the first president of the United States who was not a governor or a senator or a congressman or a general. It's the first time we've elected a, a business person as president, but he now holds the uh, uh, the unbroken record by a lot, as he would put it, of the single largest number of downloads, or I should say views on uh, on social media of his epic interview uh, with with Tucker Carlson. Y yet another Trump milestone. What was your assessment, Chris? I'm sure you watched the debate. What did you think of the debate? Well, I was actually there. Uh, you know, Jason Miller and I and Stephen Chung were there representing the campaign. So, you know, part of our role was to to uh, be on site and um, push the president's messaging. And, and even though the president wasn't there in person, uh, we were still there uh, with a presence uh, for the campaign, which we thought was pretty effective because you, we, we basically followed some of the candidates in the spin room and, and, and put our own uh, positioning 
on 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 how the whole thing went. But but I will I will tell you that that you know looking back at everything, uh, even with the with the hind with the benefit of hindsight, um, <clears throat> not attending that first debate was one hundred and ten percent the right decision. Donald Trump still won the debate, and he wasn't even there. Um, all of the coverage going into the debate was a discussion about would, would he or would he not show up, right? So he dominated the pre-coverage. Uh, and then it was all built around how is this candidate we're going to respond to this and how is this, you know. And then, you know, you had uh, the circus convene. Uh, and, you know, it it, it was um, – I, I thought it was – the, the, the first 30 minutes of the debate confirmed the president's position of not attending, right? I mean, the first 30 minutes, it, 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 that, that decision was validated. Um, you, you know, you had a group of, of eight politicians all on stage desperately trying, uh, you know, to score political points. And, you know, Vivek had a great uh, had a great, I thought, debate just because he was the center of attention, you know. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a hockey guy. You don't score goals unless you throw pucks to the net. And he was throwing pucks to the net all night long. And he didn't hit every single one, uh, but he hit a couple. And, you know, Ron DeSantis, uh, DeSanctimonious, uh, it was amazing to me that he just stood there uh, like like a potted plant uh, for the, the a really solid portion of the debate, almost the whole damn thing, watching, you know, Mike Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy go at it, and he's standing in between both of them. Uh, you know, it was clear to me that within the first 10 minutes, he made the decision that uh, I just want to make it off of here alive. And, and because of that, you, you know, his campaign op apparatus after uh, the whole debate was running around saying he won the debate because no one wanted to go after him. Well, no one wanted to go after him because, hey, you know, they thought it, it was it, it was a waste of time. I mean, he's a non-factor. Um, so, you know, we've seen that. We've actually seen that, Roger, borne out in public polling, uh, private polling. Um, and so, you know, our real focus now is, 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 is you know, the, the, the election that, uh, uh, in November of 24, which is Joe Biden and, and defeating the Biden crime family. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Uh, Dick Morris, uh, who's a friend of mine, uh, you know, was adamant that the president absolutely should participate in the debate that his campaign mm -hmm. would collapse if he did not do so. Could not have been more wrong. Donald Trump right. bears the distinction of being the only candidate for president to win a debate by not attending and participating in it. It's true. Uh, uh, and Ron DeSantis, uh, from the beginning, the rationale for his candidacy was when Donald Trump uh, gets indicted in all these various jurisdictions, even though it may be unfair, his campaign is going to collapse, his money's going to dry up, he's going to take a header in the polls, uh, and the guy, next guy in line, who's really, at that point, was trying to appropriate the Trump America first message was Ron DeSantis. Uh, and what he, the classic mistake I think he made was letting expectations get way, way out of whack. Uh, when I worked for Ronald Reagan in 1976, we were challenging a sitting incumbent president for the presidential nomination, Gerald Ford. Now, even though Ford had never been elected, 
Republicans believe in hegemony. We believe in the natural order of things. That's why we keep nominating the first runner-up from the previous contest. So when George W. Bush bested John McCain, uh, in the next cycle we nominated John McCain. When George Bush Sr. bested Bob Dole, uh, in the next uh, round we nominated Bob Dole. By the way, Bob Dole, one of the greatest Americans of the 20th century, would have been a great president. No doubt. But his year was 1988. His year was not 1996. So uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, to me, seemed wooden. He seemed scripted. Uh, He seemed tight, kind of nervous. He turns on his smile on and off like a strobe light, like he suddenly remembers that he's supposed to be smiling. So you get this kind of weird strobe light, quick smile. Uh, he did not get what he needed out of the debate. He needed a standout performance to move, to even hold on to second. Uh, the thing about Vivek Ramaswamy is twofold. One, he, by and large, has appropriated Donald Trump's campaign man- message. He and his handlers have been smart enough to look at the polls and realize this is Donald Trump's party. Donald Trump has changed the face of the Republican Party forever. We are no longer the party of the country club elite. We're no longer the party of Wall Street. We are the party of working class America. We are the party of the middle class. We are not the party of the neocons anymore. We are the party that puts America first. And that is so dominant in all of the polling Ramaswamy, for example, showing up in Miami uh, outside the courthouse on the day Donald Trump is arraigned there to support Donald Trump, that shows that he's running a very smart campaign. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to be nominated, uh, but it does mean that there is at least a logic to his campaign strategy, and it's a testimony to how popular and strong Donald Trump is Uh, in the Republican Party. Chris, I have to ask you this. What do you make of the candidacy of Chris Christie? Um, You know, that's a a great question, Roger. Um, I I mean, uh, other than a complete and utter waste of time and, and, you know, a vanity project of some sort, I mean, I guess everyone, uh, you know, uh, and in his position at some point in time wants to be relevant again. Um, and so, you know, um, you know, he, he was professing his undying loyalty, you know, when the president was elected uh, to, to, to the president and um, you know, but he, um, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it, he's a, honest to God, Roger, I don't spend a whole lot of my time worrying about Chris Christie uh, or even thinking about the guy, because uh, it's really not worth the time of day. But um, but I, I guess it's I guess it would only be viewed as uh, you know relevancy. He's 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 desperate to be relevant again. Yeah, I, I've seen this phenomenon before. His year was 2012. He should have run. Yeah. He now know right. he now knows he should have run. His right. time has passed. If he were the Republican nominee, he couldn't carry New Jersey today. 
his his poll ratings in New Jersey are abysmal. Last time I looked, he had a an approval rating of nine percent. But there is no rationale for his candidacy other than revenge uh, and going to yeah. the debate and acting like yeah. a bully. I don't think he helped himself at all. Uh, he's he's a non-factor in this race. By the way, another good reason why President Trump didn't attend the debate, when you have a 50-point lead or a 40-point lead, why would you open yourself up uh, to uh, being ganged up on by multiple candidates who realize that to get nominated, they have to somehow make ground on Donald Trump? Uh, and at Fox, given the Brett Baer interview, uh, a few minutes before, a few weeks, or I guess days uh, before the presidential debate, you didn't have to be a genius to see uh, that the moderators were going to be hostile to Donald Trump. We're going to keep dishing up hostile questions, uh, wanting to talk more about the persecution of Donald Trump uh, than the issue positions of Donald Trump, right. which, let's face it, are well known to begin with. Everybody knows where Donald Trump stands on border security. Uh, and and uh, for, if I had a dollar for every person who said to me, you got to get the president to reverse himself on the COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, Donald Trump does not have a reverse gear. Just doesn't work no. that way. Just doesn't work that way. But anybody who watched his video yesterday should understand two things. One, another pandemic, the use of another virus uh, to in order to cripple Donald Trump in an election through the use of mail-in ballots is clearly in the game plan of those who seek to stop him from returning to the White House and restoring uh, our constitutional values uh, and the strength and prosperity of the United States. But secondarily, he could not have been stronger when I saw this video. No mandatory vaccinations, no mandatory masks, no lockdowns, no closing, uh, no no requirement of masks on mass transportation. Uh, I think he has just now turned this this issue very much to his advantage. Chris, right now, the uh, as it stands, the president's trial in Washington D.C., which is still boggles the mind, he's being charged with questioning the outcome of an election. He's being charged with questioning the irregularities and anomalies in uh, in a federal election and for seeking to collect documented evidence of voter fraud. He has an absolute constitutional right to do both of those things. I, it's very hard for me to understand how those things could be deemed to be criminal. But as someone who has stood trial in the District of Columbia and did nothing whatsoever wrong, uh, this boggles the mind, and I go a step further. I really believe that Jack Smith's next move is going to be to charge sitting Republican members of Congress who did the same thing Donald Trump did, exercise their First Amendment rights to question the outcome of the election. Here's my question. Uh, with, the, with the trial date now set on the 4th of March, the day before the Super Tuesday primary, which is the biggest single swath of delegates uh, awarded in the Republican nomination process, what kind of challenges does that present to the Trump campaign? Well, it only presents a challenge if you let it, right? 
so a lot of it has to do with your our focus and 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 you know obviously with with the the scheduling of a of the trial of a trial date you know of, of march 4th the day before super tuesday you know once again you know they've they've telegraphed their hand they've telegraphed their intentions their true intentions which is this desperate attempt to keep donald trump off the ballot uh and it's that's also being borne out by the way roger in the discussions that some secretaries of state across the country are having with regard to the 14th Amendment, uh, which, by the way, is completely bogus. And uh, that the, these discussions, you know, that a secretary of state could arbitrarily just say, oh, um, you know, Donald Trump can't stand for election. And we'll, we'll, we can we can keep him from being on the ballot in a Republican primary. Democrat secretaries of state contemplating injecting themselves into the middle of a Republican primary and denying uh, someone on the ballot. So, again, the, it's just another example of how far they're going. But, but you know, in terms of, you know, what we need to do for delegates and what we need to do for, uh, you know, in winning these elections, it's we're just not going to let those things that the left throws up as roadblocks get on our way. We can't. We have to be creative. We have to be energized. We have to be focused. Quite frankly, uh, if the Republicans, the quicker the Republicans unify behind uh, the presumptive nominee, who's Donald Trump, uh, the better off the country would be going into a general election. Uh, and, and, and we need to make sure that that happens sooner rather than later. And, and just to close out on the on the Christie thing, because this is one of the, and one a line I've been wanting to use in some venue. But you know, Chris Christie to the Republican Party just would be a bridge too far. <laughs> well said, <laughs> uh, folks. If you're just tuning in, this is the Roger Stone Show on WABC Radio, and we're talking with, uh, to my mind, one of the very best and skillful political operatives in America today, Chris Lasavita, who happens to be the campaign manager for President Donald J. Trump. Uh, tell me about the money, because Donald Trump always does the counterintuitive. Uh, he is subjected to the humiliation of being mugshotted in Georgia, where I think it, this is the most egregious prosecution of all of them. Uh, and rather than be humiliated, he immediately goes out and puts it up on social media uh, and uses it as a symbol of the injustice that is being done to him. People go out. Uh, this created a thousand memes uh, this is a this is typical of Donald Trump. Rather than hide it under a bushel, he wears it like a badge. Uh, and not only is he spiked in the polls, but you've had quite an influx of money since this happened. No. Oh well, I mean, twenty four hours it was over seven million dollars. Um, we can't print the t shirts fast enough. Um, the uh, you know, over 60% of the donors that have come in uh, right after that mugshot were new donors. So uh, the response from uh, not just Republicans, but just Americans in general has been overwhelming uh, and has been, you know, I think that's it's, it's demonstrative of, of clearly uh, the fact that people know what's going on and they see this as a grave injustice and and uh, it's it's Americans way 
of of putting their foot down and and they're going to continue to do that you know through the primary season they're going to continue to do that in the general election and um the folks that have done this are going to reap what they sow because it's just it's just so so much of an overreach from every you know from from every uh aspect that one could think but at the end of the day um you know we take solace in the fact and i know the president does as well in in the amount of support that he's getting from the american public from all cross sections of the american public you know as a veteran of 13 national presidential campaigns myself uh and by the way i cast my last vote in a republican primary in florida for your candidate uh uh, Rand Paul, uh, pardon me, uh, Ron Paul, your your candidate's father, Ron Paul. Uh, people don't understand the extent to which careful budgeting uh, is absolutely crucial. This is where I think the Trump campaign, and particularly the the skills of Susie Wiles, the campaign chairwoman, have really come into play. You have to spend your money very carefully. You have to plan for the long term. One of the reasons that Ron DeSantis's campaign. Uh, is a dumpster fire uh, is because they're extravagant expending at the front end uh, at the same time relying on a base of millionaire and billionaire maxed out donors and bundlers, bundlers who have lost their enthusiasm based on terrible poll ratings, uh, but people who are maxed out and can't give anymore, whereas Donald Trump's campaign is sustained by tens of thousands of small and medium-sized contributions from ordinary people who can give multiple times. And the people planning the campaign, executing the campaign, Chris LaCivita, Susie Wiles, uh, are carefully husbanding resources and planning for the long term. I can't stress how vitally important this is. Uh, the Bushes always did this extraordinarily well. It takes enormous discipline, but you have run an extraordinarily lean, but also an extraordinarily efficient operation, considering uh, all the things you have to do. Uh, clearly, the persecution of the president legally is designed to do three things. One, to sap his resources financially. Well, guess what? He's refilling the coffers quickly. The more you go after him, the more more money that comes in. Secondarily, to try to get him off the campaign trail, that's not going to work either because Donald Trump can make news wherever he is and whatever he is doing. Uh, and lastly, to try to, uh, to dirty him up even further, uh, and that's clearly failing as well, as all of the polling shows that his standing among the crucial independents continues to rise. So uh, I think, Chris LaCivita, you are going to be at the helm of what is, without any question, one of the most historic uh, come-from-behind victories uh, in American political history. I would note that the only president who served one term as president left the White House in a disputed election and then came back to win the White House again was Grover Cleveland, a New Yorker. I have little doubt uh, that under the skilled leadership of Chris LaCivita uh, and an incredibly talented group of people who work on Donald Trump's campaign, that you are going to pull off political history. 
that Donald Trump is going to run the tables uh, for the nomination. Uh, he's going to run the tables in the courts, uh, and he is going to be returned to the White House. It is historic. It is uh, it is nerve wracking. It is breathtaking. Uh, but I have every confidence, Chris, knowing this business for 45 plus years, you are the right man for the job and you have the candidate who is at the right time, at the right place, and the last best hope to save this nation and get us back on track. Chris LaCivita, I want to thank you for joining us here on The Roger Stone Show. Thanks, Roger. True pleasure. really is. Many thanks. God bless you. Take care, sir. There you have it, folks. Chris LaCivita, a great uh, a patriot, a veteran of the Persian Gulf War, a uh, veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps, my fellow Italian-American. I'm Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 